Lord, we're all okay after yesterday? Man, I, I notice it more and more as I get older, but uh, that was so much fun. Um, and it's great today we can be together and we can celebrate the gospel that gives us access to the throne, not by being the best we can be, but just by believing, just by believing that God has given us the best he has. And because he gave us Jesus, we can go boldly into his presence, we can expect his blessings, we can expect answers to prayer, we can expect things to work out for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And in 1 John 5, it says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Well, the struggle that we can have sometimes, though, is how come we don't see so much victory overcoming the world? Anybody in here need some victory overcoming the world in your life? You need some victory, and it's by faith. And you say, well, I've got faith. Well, we're going to look at today what faith really is, because I believe that there is a faith shortage in the church. A lot of people have an amount of faith. They have something that is more like a, uh, an agreement, mental assent. Yeah, I believe all these things. Uh, but the, knowing the truth, knowing the truth, and we've studied some great truths in the book of Hebrews. I mean, and even last week, that if you consider that there is a sacrifice, a one-and-done sacrifice that has healed you, that has made you free, saved, forgiven, everything is new. You're not tied to the past. You're not tied to any threats in front of you because you have a new beginning, a new creation, a new life in Christ. This is the awesome power of the gospel. But if you recall way back when we did Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 2, it says that the Israelites heard the same gospel preached to them, and the word did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. So you can know the truth, you can subscribe to the truth, you can have agreements about the Word of God, you can recite creeds and things like that, and that's good. The truth will set you free, but it has to be mixed with faith. In James 2.19, it says, You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So, here's the frightening thing. There are multitudes in the church that know something, but they're not profiting from it. They know something, but they're not profiting from it. And we want to profit. We want to go past agreement and holding the right orthodoxy. We want to go into biblical faith, which is what we're studying in Hebrews chapter 11. We see that biblical faith changes lives. Biblical faith overcomes, has power, and profit. I'm not talking about the health and wellness gospel, but there is health and wellness in the gospel. And there is spiritual profit when you mix the truth with faith. So, with that said, what is faith? It's a good question. Well, the, first, the question, is we're, and we're going to go through Hebrews 11, we're going to kind of pick the highlights because we could be on Hebrews 11 for several weeks if we went verse by verse, but we're going to get the gist of it today in the highlights. And it starts in... Uh, verse 1, chapter 11, verse 1. So we just heard, you know, that even the demons believe and tremble. So what is biblical faith? The faith that profits, the faith that changes things. And now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
So it starts with something that is hoped for. What is hoped for? It's the word. It's the truth. You can be set free. You can be healed. You can be forgiven. You can, you can have a relationship with God. That is a, a great hope to have. But first, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The Greek word for substance there is confidence or assurance. You have to have something that's hopeful, not something that's threatening, not something that's bad, but something that gives you hope. And you have to have confidence, assurance, and it's the substance of that. When I talk about substance, I think of, you know, giving substance to something. Faith responds to something. And so how many of you have spoken some instructions to some younger ones maybe, and they say, oh, yeah, 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 I know, I know. Or, you know, somebody who's not listening, yeah, 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 I know. They're hearing what you're saying, but they're not giving substance to it. They're not having real substance being confident brings about expectation so you have an expectation of the things that you well I hope it doesn't rain and then it, it could, could rain or it might not rain no this is a, a, a confident expectation like when you set your thermostat at home you need some heat today you might not need as much but as it gets colder you need some heat in the house so you turn that thermostat up to the desired temperature that you want it to be Right? And then what happens? You, you expect that it's going to reach that temperature. You don't go nervous and start to wonder, oh, I hope it works and, and get you know, uptight. You just sort of confidently expect that it's going to take place. Just like when you order something from Amazon or uh, online. You pay for it, it comes, but in the meantime, you're not worried. You're not saying, oh, gee, I hope they find my house and they get to the mail. You just have a confident expectation. And so, when you have a confident expectation of something, you will respond with evidence of things not seen. For example, if I give you a check, you can keep that check, and it says you've got my money, but you need some corresponding actions. If you believe this check is good, you're going to make a trip to the bank and deposit it or cash it or something. That is giving evidence. You don't have the money in your hand just yet. And you set the heat on at your home. You might, before it gets warm enough, you, you close the windows, make sure that thing is... You take the appropriate steps, corresponding actions. That's what James meant when he said, faith without works is dead. doesn't mean that you're saved by any works. It just means if you really believe that God said to do something, then you're going to show your belief, you're going to give evidence, and you're going to do something. So I always like to say, believing goes into be living. What you believe, you will be living. If you believe that God loves you, you're going to not just say, yeah, yeah, I know, that's, that's good, that's good. No, you're going to be living with an attitude of God's love and a, and a warmth in your heart, believing that he really does love me. And sometimes, sometimes it's hard for us to believe that God really does love us. You, you know, we know ourselves too well. Sometimes we don't love ourselves that well. So we have to give evidence of things not seen and say that's his word his word says so and he is good he's proved himself he has sealed it with his blood it's not up to me it's not about what, what i've done i'm just going to receive it and sometimes that is the evidence you're giving i'm receiving it and by receiving it i'm not just agreeing with it but i'm letting it change me i'm letting it do something in my life it's it's going to put a response i'm going to catch the ball now and i'm going to respond with it so 
uh, as we talk about response, and faith is a response, evidence of things unseen, we see this played out in different uh, Hall of Famers here. Hebrews 11 is sometimes called the Faith Hall of Fame. But the first verse we'd notice as far as a response to something unseen, I'd look at verse 28. Hebrews 11:28 talks about Moses, and Moses was instructed to keep a Passover, which is when the, the judgment of God was going to come upon the Egyptians, and all the firstborn were going to be destroyed, except for those who would put blood over their doorposts. The angel of the Lord would pass over because he saw the blood, and that was a, a symbol, a type of Jesus shed blood for us, that God passes judgment over us. We don't fall into judgment because of the blood. But Moses kept the Passover by faith, it says, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So it was probably hard to see how sprinkling blood on the doorposts would have any effect. Well, how is this going to save us? It just seemed like I don't understand this. And Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says to lean not on your own. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You can't see sometimes. And sometimes understanding is, is seeing inwardly what this is about. And sometimes we don't see. And the Lord wants us to go forward with something. And we respond with substance. We respond. We believe. We live according to that. And so hard to see how blood sprinkled on the doorpost might help them, but that was faith. And he had to respond by that obedience, right? Because what would happen if he didn't respond to that command to put the blood on the doorposts? We would have had a different story. So the same with us. Do you respond putting the blood over your doorpost? I'm talking spiritually. Are you putting the blood of Jesus over you? You are set free by that. And now, there's an interesting thing about Moses in Exodus chapter 12. Before the Passover, before the Lord delivered them from Egypt, the Lord gave Moses instructions to instruct the Israelites that you're going to keep this ordinance forever, this Passover institution. And you're going to do this and this and this. You're going to tell your children and your children's children this is what this means and all that. And so Moses was instructing the Israelites about this ordinance that was going to last forever before it even began. And that was faith. Because he took God's word, he said, this is it. And in the midst of their slavery, in the midst of their struggle and their troubles, in the midst of the problem, he was speaking about this ordinance of the Passover that's going to last forever. We're going to look back in awe and wonder. So... How do you handle your problems, your troubles? What kind of victory are you speaking? Are you speaking about what the Lord has instructed? Are you speaking about what the Lord has promised? The Lord has promised that he'll make all things work together for good to those who love him. The Lord has promised that the faithful will be rewarded and diligently rewarded. We'll see that in this chapter. You have an inheritance, an eternal inheritance because of the things we spoke about last week with the blood of Jesus shed. And so you've got this terrible dilemma right now, this trouble right now, this stress right now, but are you speaking the victory and saying the Lord has said this and this will be our, our institution forever? We will look back on this and say, look what God has done. Look how he got us through. Look how he set the seas apart that we could go forward on dry land. In Psalm 118, 17, David said, I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Some of you may feel like dying sometimes. What victory are you speaking? 
you can speak Psalm 118, verse 17. I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I will not sink. I will not go under because God is not anticlimactic. God takes us through. God will part the seas for us that we can go through. But that doesn't mean that it's always easy. And just knowing it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You have to have faith. You have to mix the word with faith. In Hebrews 11, verse 30, it talks about Joshua and Jericho. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Here was a mighty strange incident, right? The Lord had instructed Joshua, see, I have given you Jericho. I have given you Jericho. But, you know, he, they didn't have Jericho yet. See, this is how faith works. Faith already sees things as it's done. The Lord said it, it's done. Well, I don't have it yet. Well, it's like that Amazon order. It's done. When you pressed pay and you gave them your credit card number, they've given it to you. But you don't have it yet. Well, there's some things you have to do. You have to walk to the mailbox. You have to wait a few days or do whatever. But in the Lord's business, there's lots of things that we're asked to do, to believe. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. And I'm sure the Israelites were saying, what do you mean? In Joshua chapter 6, they were told that they're going to have to march around the city of Jericho for six days and not make any noise. Well, how's that going to change anything? And yet, it was what the Lord asked them to do. Are, you, are they going, going to be obedient? They could say, well, we don't understand this. It doesn't make sense and not do it. But they did it, and on the seventh day, they were instructed to make shouts and the trumpets would sound, and guess what happened? The walls fell down. And there was the victory. It had already been given to them, but they had to go through the Lord's process. And sometimes in our lives, we have to go through the Lord's process. God is working something in the spiritual realms, even though to us it seems like we're just making circles and it doesn't seem like we're making progress. But if you continue with faith and you're believing and you're living with a response, at some point the trumpet's going to sound and the walls of Satan's kingdom are going to fall and you're going to see that we have already received what's been promised and this is the response faith is a res biblical faith is a response it's more than just well i i disagree with the orthodoxy and what the bible says and part of a response means that it's going to change your worldview you're going to have a different worldview in response to god's word and in verse seven we see how this affected noah by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah's hope in the word, and the word was, this world's going to come to an end, this world is going, there's going to be a flood, and what did that do? He had spent... Uh, most of his life after that point, building this huge ark that was going to save them in the flood. Now, this took faith. This was a response. This was something that was probably mocked and ridiculed by those around him. And we know that most people didn't believe with Noah because it was only Noah and his family that ended up on the ark. But because of the word, because of the promise, and because of his worldview, he saw that this world is going the wrong direction. I'm going to do what God says because God promises life. In our generation, in our culture, there are so many people out there that hate Christians, and so many people that 
go their own way because they think that they know better when, like Noah, they're going to find themselves in a bind when the judgment comes. We have a different worldview. We say, no, they don't know better. We know better, even though it doesn't look very uh, interesting to others. We, it doesn't look like uh, fun to be building an ark when everybody else is carousing and living it up and mocking you for doing something that's different. But that's how faith operates. It doesn't hold to that worldview. It says there's something of greater value, more lasting value. I'm going for something that's going to be significant and it's not going to end in a bad way like it is for all the rest out there. And that changes our worldview. It changes how we see things. The interesting thing I learned that there's some scholars that believe that it didn't even rain up until the time of the flood. They get this from Genesis chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. It says, before man was created, the Lord did not cause any rain to come on the earth, and only a mist would water the ground. I don't know if there was rain or not, but it would be hard to believe that it was going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and, and all the years it took for Noah to be preparing, he did that with a different worldview from the norm and from the populace out there. And with a different worldview comes different values. Faith will change your worldview, it will change your values. And we see this in Moses, verse 24 to 27.
torture and torment because they didn't make good use of the time. They didn't go for what was of the gold. And Moses somehow did not value these things that were going to perish, but he went for the gold. And now, because he went for the gold, we know who Moses was. We're talking about Moses thousands of years later. We have him listed in the Hall of Fame of Faith. If he would have given in like any of us who might have been lesser than that, who might have been tempted, who might have just embraced, oh, just give it to me now. I want it now. It says he looked to the reward, and that's the problem. Most of the world is not looking to the reward, and it's not just talking about what reward God is offering. It's talking about the outcome. What is the consequence? What is the end? What is? People don't think about what is ahead. And, you know, we see babies and little children, and we have to teach them and train them so that they can grow up and start to consider what is the end of what I'm doing? What is the end of this path I'm taking? What are the consequences? I remember uh, in Thailand, one of our kids was only uh, maybe two years old or something, and we were sitting in a taxi, and the taxi was giving us the ride of our life, going crazy speeds and recklessly through traffic, and in the back seat, the, the door uh, lock wasn't working, and so um, the, my child was on my lap trying to open the door and playing with the door handle while we're going like this, and uh, I kept, stop it, stop it, stop it. You don't know what, you could fall out. You know, if you get that latch and it flies open and we go around, you could tumble off my lap, and they didn't know any better. It was just the outcome. It's, they weren't thinking, they weren't looking to the so reward can be good or bad. Reward is what you're going to get. Sin has a reward, and it's not a reward we want. But Moses looked to the reward that was of God, and that's what we do want. We need to consider what is ahead. Faith looks to what is ahead. It changes our worldview, and as a result, it changes our values. I don't recommend the Passion Translation of the Bible, but I did think this was really good translation of verse 26 here. It says that Moses found his true wealth in suffering abuse for being anointed more than in anything the world could offer him, for his eyes looked with wonder not on the immediate, but on the ultimate, faith's greatest reward. It's hard to do that, but how do you do that? He endured as seeing him who is invisible. How do you see him who is invisible? Well, it's through the word of God. You look through the word. What does it say? Who is with you? Who has said he'll never leave you nor forsake you? What is God capable of? What does God have power to do? What has he done in other people's lives? We start to put on these glasses to filter our world, and we can see the invisible. We understand there's more to this world than meets the eye. And when Moses did that, said he feared not the wrath of the king. When you see him who is invisible, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, it changes you from being fearful of pleasing man. You know, it talks about Moses, not afraid of the wrath of the king. But, you know, a lot of people today are still wanting to please others. They, you know, want to, there might be somebody in your family that you just can't break apart. I've got to please this person. I've got to please this person. They have you under their whip. Or, you know, the culture. You want to please, you want to look good in the culture. Reputation, whatever it is. But you got to say, no, I'm looking to him who is invisible, and he's pleased with me already because of Jesus. I don't have to, to change anything. I just want to obey and respond and see him. And that frees you from having to please. Some people, 
what you could do, they're never going to be pleased. And maybe sometimes that's because they want to hold power over you. Just, I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't planning to say this, but maybe somebody needs to hear it. Um, but when you look to him who's invisible, you suddenly say, what does it matter what anyone thinks of me? God loves me. God loves me. And it's not, yeah, yeah, I know God loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know. It's like, get quiet. Get it to where it sinks into your heart. God really does love me. And if he loves me, if he's for me, who can be against me? And if this person keeps talking about me, what does that mean anything to me? I got the God of the universe who loves me. Faith responds that way. And faith will change your worldview, your values, and that makes you a foreigner. You know, I was in China many years, and I was always called the foreigner. But when I taught in Chinese Bible schools, I'd start off the class, they'd laugh because the foreigner was standing in front of them. I said, how many foreigners are in this room? And they'd all go, one. i say, wrong. We're all foreigners. If you're a believer in Christ, you have a different citizenship. You're not Chinese first. You're heavenly kingdom first. The taxi drivers would always say, oh, you're a foreigner. Where are you from? And I'd want to say, I'm from the kingdom of God. I didn't. But uh, that's what I wanted to say. But we are foreigners if we are in faith. Look at uh, verse 8 through 10. Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. He had to go out from his home. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So he stepped out, he went forward, he saw himself as uh, a sojourner. So that's, can I use that word still? That's an old English word. Sojourn, on a journey, on a journey. And he's moving, but he's looking for something better. Look at verse 13 to 16. Others like him, they died in the faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they um, they would have come. Where are we? They had come out. They would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. So many of us, we are comfortable with our Christian faith and but we still just want to settle in with this world. We want to, as someone said, we want to get all we can, can all we get, and then sit on the can. We want the world's good. We want, we want to have everything the world has. It's like we, we settle. This is our, and then we're so sad when it comes time to go and be with the Lord. It's like, you know, we're just passing through. We have to put on this mindset. We are foreigners. We are not settling here. I don't want to settle here. I'm waiting for the, the skies to break, the light to shine, the glory to come, and the new heavens and new earth where there's no pain, no sickness, no torment, no curse, none of this problems we're dealing with right now. 
and that's my home that's my country that's what God has prepared and I'm looking to that we want to see ourselves as aliens and strangers a pilgrims we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving this is a Thanksgiving message because we what were pilgrims they were people who left their land seeking a better and that's what the Christian is we are pilgrims we need to see ourselves as pilgrims not get too settled here and 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 that's not just to make us less comfortable it's to help us strengthen us when things do happen and we don't like what's going on we remember hey you know I'm still on my way I'm this isn't where I've landed this isn't where I'm staying I'm still a pilgrim and God has promised to see me through we're going with him he's going with us and he gives us the ability to get to the other side to get to our homeland that'll cause us to speak a different language if you're a foreigner you already have another language language of faith. We see this in verse 20 and 22. Uh, that's Mark 11. There's, uh, Hebrews 11, 20, 20 and 22 talks, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. And by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning on the top of his faith, Joseph talking about language and uh, you got to hear the language when you want to learn about the language but uh, why am I saying this is language because it says in verse 20 by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau and then Jacob he blessed and I, I used to read this to think what is it talking about blessing how is that an act of faith but the blessing came through their words if you're familiar with Isaac and the Jacob and Esau story Esau was supposed to get the blessing, uh, the good blessing, the blessing of the firstborn, but Jacob went in and deceived Isaac in his old age and stole that blessing. And then when Esau discovered what had happened, Esau went to Isaac and said, you blessed the wrong person. Can't you bless me? Can't you give it to me too? And he said, he said I have already spoken this. I've blessed it, and it will come to pass faith speaks a language that understands that what we speak, when it's according to God's word, it will come to pass. And that can make you sound kind of funny to other people. You know, it doesn't look like you're going to make it through this thing. Well, I will because God, I'm speaking the life and the truth of God's word. If you want to have uh, a victory over some problem of yours, let's say it's money, you speak a promise and say, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You're saying, Rick, how do you know that verse so well? Because I have to keep speaking it and saying it. Because I'm not going to settle for the opposite of it. And there are times I'm tempted to say, it does, I can't do it, but I will keep speaking it. God has spoken it, and 
I believe it will come to pass. And that's why I put Mark 11, 22 to 23 up there. This is a verse that should encourage what we say. Because often we will pray for something, and then we'll counteract our prayers with the opposite words we speak. Oh, you know, I, I hope uh, I get healed from this. And then you'll say, oh, I'm never going to get this. I'm going to just plan on having this thing and all that. We need to speak in accordance to what we're praying for, what we're believing for. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now look at this for a second. This verse speaks over and over about saying, saying, saying. It doesn't speak about praying so much, although we say when we pray. But it's whoever says, no doubt in your heart, there's where the faith is. You believe. You have the substance of things hoped for, the expectation in your heart because God said so. And you believe those things that you say. What Do you believe what you're saying? And uh, all those things that you say will be done. You will have whatever he says. This isn't a magic formula. And this this isn't something, well, i got to try it and see if this works. It just means, what are you speaking? Are you speaking the victory? Are you speaking the institution of Passover before it happens? Are you speaking the truth of God's word? I will not die, but live and declare the works of God. Are you holding on to the promise? Or are you speaking the bad news of the world? And this is what normally happens. This is my experience of saying we want to speak the language of faith. We are foreigners, but we have a different way of talking. Isaac blessed, Jacob blessed, and those were prophetic things, what they were saying. And Joseph instructed the Israelites to carry his bones out from Egypt when they were going to the promised land. Why? Why? Because he spoke what he desired for the future. He did not desire to be stuck in the land of luxury, even though he had it good there too. But he saw something else. Faith saw something else. And so he spoke a different word. That is what we want. We want to speak where we want to be. And again, it's not magic. And I know some people may have heard stuff like this and it gets twisted and abused. You don't throw out the truth because of counterfeits or the mishandling of things like that. But I think all of us could improve our speech and watch our words because our words do have meaning. We read Proverbs in many places through Scripture. So much speaking and what our words do. And uh, it's healthy to speak truth instead of what's out there. You can speak amen anytime. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you for that courtesy. Amen. So, we'll wrap this up. We have seen that faith is a response. Faith changes our worldview, changes our values changes us as far as our citizenship goes. We belong to a greater. And with this kind of response, faith is what overcomes. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Notice it doesn't say those who he is a rewarder of good works. Good works are important, but it's those who diligently seek him, that pleases God. He is pleased with you, not because your works are wonderful and your works, you know, 
can be good or bad, but if he sees your heart, that you're diligently seeking him, and that you are a pilgrim, not just at Thanksgiving, but through this life, you are seeking a better country, you are seeking him, he's pleased with that, and he's a rewarder of that, you will receive great reward. I've already talked about this passage before, but I'll mention how faith pushes through for the reward. Diligence. What does it mean to be diligent? Well, yeah, yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe. No, substance. It's substance. You give substance, not just with your talk, but with your your life. And you use faith. You use faith, not just have faith, but you use faith to move forward in things that are going on. One time in China, we went into this countryside village, and we had to go through the mountains, and it was long, windy roads, and always fun because there's drop-offs to the side of the cliff, and there's no rails and things, and it's always it's always in kind of an adventure on these dirt roads and these mountainsides. I've, for years, I went through, and you'd think this would happen more often, but it didn't until this one time we were coming back from a village, and there was a landslide. Half the mountain came down on the road, and if we were about a minute or two ahead of our schedule, we might have been under this big landslide. And so we were praising God, thanking Him for His protection and for the timing that we weren't under it. And I don't think anybody was under that. But we were stuck behind it. And uh, as we're stuck behind it, I thought, i got to get these guys I brought with me home. We have hours to go to another uh, place. And they were looking at me like, you you told us we'd be home at this certain time, and, and now we're going to be stuck here for days because there's this landslide there. And I thought... On top of that, what are we going to do? We got to drive all the way back to that village. We were presented with a dilemma. Thankfully, we discovered that just over that landslide, just a few minutes hike, we were at the next city that, that we were approaching. So we had to leave my vehicle on the other side, and we hiked over this dirt on the road and, and things, and the cars were lining up and back. And we went down into the city, and we were going to have to stay an extra night. We stayed in this dumpy infested hotel but you know it all it's your perspective you know a flea infested hotel can be the risk when you consider where you could be under a landslide or back in that old village which was worse and, and so we were thankful it wasn't too bad there were fleas but it wasn't too bad it was kind of like the risk and but that night I was just thinking what are we going how are we ever going how are they going to get anything up there to move that dirt and that weird that narrow road Anyway, long story short, I know, too late. It's already too late. It's a long story. But the next day, there was a bulldozer pushing that dirt, and I was just nervous, thinking, it's raining, you know, the water's going to make this more difficult. But this bulldozer, I was able to watch it, hoping we could get that our car through. And for a long time, it would shovel out this dirt from the road, Every time it did, it would clear a little bit, but then more dirt from the mountain would fall right back down. So it always looked hopeful, clearing the way, but then more dirt would come back down. And it just, it was, it was so suspenseful watching this thing, worse than any horror movie or something. Because I just had to get home, and that's, you know, I'm not always there, calm and collected. I've learned, I'm learning. See, we're on a journey, and you learn, and, and I think I can do better today than I did back then. But... Uh, I saw it continue. The bulldozer kept doing it, kept doing it, even though it looked like it was was going to be pointless because it kept having more dirt. Eventually, it did clear that dirt, and they 
they said, uh, get up into the car, and they were still working on it, and finally they lifted up that dirt, and they weren't done yet, but certain cars were just pushing through when they could, and I said, oh, I'm getting out as long as, long as I can, and driving with my eyes closed and going there. <laughs> but I learned something, and that's how faith operates. Faith, this is the diligence. That bulldozer didn't stop just because more dirt was falling down. And sometimes you've got a promise or you believe and you know the Lord's going to help you and yet it seems like it's pointless. You keep pushing forward in faith and then you have another setback. You keep pushing forward and it seems like the dangling carrot just pulls a little bit further away from you. But the idea is you keep moving. You keep bulldozing that. Faith endures. Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. He looked to the reward. God is pleased by our faith. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And sometimes it seems like the dirt of this world gets in between us and him, but we got to keep diligence, faithfully seeking him, pushing forward. And when that happens, we can get through. And then we got a good story to tell and say, look what happened to me when I was on that road. God was faithful. And, uh, and that's how it works. Faith doesn't just please God. Faith pleases us. Because faith is how we receive the promises. And, and, and we don't have to work. We, sometimes we need to pray and say, Lord, increase my faith. I need the faith of the Son of God because it's hard to have faith in a world where we're just entrenched with sense and vision and, and what we perceive. But it says you trust in, your, in the Lord your God with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. So the prayer is, Lord, help us to not be leaning on our understanding but leaning on what is invisible. But we see what is invisible something you just say, but you can be an amen. I'm going to be an amen to God. I'm going to say so be it. He said it. I'm going forward with the idea that amen. It's going to be as he says. And that is the victory. And so the final verses that we look at shows you the possibilities of what faith can do. Verse 33 to 35. They through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. What impossibility is before you? Can it possibly be that faith can do the impossible? They can do. All things are possible to him who believes. We often quote that Nothing is impossible with God. That's true. You've got a God on your side. But Jesus also said all things are possible to him who believes. And that's the result. Do you believe that the impossible can happen? Sometimes we just give up too quick, like the bulldozer saying, well, what good is this going to do? There's more dirt coming down. Finally, verse 38 to 40. Of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be perfect apart from us. See, they did receive promises. When it talks about there that they didn't receive the promise, it was talking about the messianic promise of Christ. All of their actions, all of their triumphs, all of their victories, all of their sacrifices were leading up to something better that we could come in on the plan as well. 
well, to be a part of the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham's seed, which is Christ, bringing us into the covenant that Israel was promised. All these things played a part, and they paved the way for us. Your faith could be paving the way for others. But he saw how they did stop the mouths of lions. They did put armies to flight and things like that. There are victories for us to have, and there are legacies for us to leave as we prepare the way for others. And it says, of whom the world was not worthy. We often uh, mistake the world for being the, the one that we want applause from. The world doesn't have the right standards. When you live a life of faith, it pleases God. And the world the world does, isn't worthy of it. It says in Romans 8 that the world groans, the earth groans, waiting for the redemption of the children of God. There's coming a time when the earth is going to see, like, I don't know, I'm getting into a picture I can't even speak. But anyway, of whom the world is not worthy, there is a value. There is such a value on living the life of faith. And all of us here can do that, just saying yes to God, being an amen to God, saying, okay, Lord, and I believe I will be living according to what I believe. And Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on this earth? I hope so. I hope he finds it here with us, at least. But you got to bulldoze through settle for the scene. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us a place in your kingdom. We thank you that you have given us a hope in Christ. We thank you that you give us the ability to walk as Jesus walked by faith. So we, we ask, Lord, that you build these things up in our lives, that you help us to, to uh, be more drawn 